With the Orioles playing at this high level at the major leagues, I've kind of forgotten a few times this season that they still also have the number one system in baseball. So let's take a look at that system, give you some updates here in August, coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, August 18th, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a look at the Orioles minor league system with the O's having the day off on Thursday before they head to Oakland for a series with the A's this weekend thought it would be a good time to kind of give you some updates on the system because MLB Pipeline just this week for the fifth consecutive update named the Orioles the number one system in baseball and every single outlet that covers prospects right now in their midseason updates has named Jackson Holiday the number one prospect in all of baseball even with the O's at 74 and 47 best record the American League they've still got you could argue, the best system in baseball as well. So maybe a good time to take a look at all four of the full-season affiliates, AAA, AA, High A, and Low A. Pick out a couple of pitchers and a couple of hitters to highlight either throughout the whole season or just recently from those teams to kind of update you on the state of the system. And then we'll preview the weekend series between the O's and the A's. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast which is brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Just download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details, currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. So we will jump right into our minor league update in just a second, but first... If you've been following along the podcast this week, you know we're doing a giveaway as a thank you to getting me over 4,000 subscribers on the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. Got a giveaway going, and today is the last day to enter the giveaway. Now, what can you win? Well, you can win the Orioles soccer jersey. Again, there it is. O's soccer jersey from this year, the 2023 version, size medium. That's the prize we're giving away. Two things you got to do to enter to win. One, Subscribe to the Locked On Orioles podcast on YouTube. Two, leave a comment on either this YouTube video or any of the videos from this week on the channel telling me your favorite Orioles win of the season and why. The entries close tonight, Friday night at midnight. I'll pick the winner this weekend and reveal the winner of the O Soccer jersey on Monday's episode again. It's a thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first listen every day and helping grow the YouTube channel as well. But let's jump into the minor leagues for the Orioles. Again, off day Thursday for the O's after they dropped two of three in San Diego this week. Minor league system, though, still humming along. MLB Pipeline ranks at number one in baseball once again for the fifth straight update. So why is it that way? We're going to go through all four full season affiliate teams, give you a top prospect update on one pitcher and one hitter who's doing well, and then an under the radar prospect update on one hitter, one pitcher, as well. So let's start in AAA Norfolk. One of the best teams in all of minor league baseball this year. They've been a little worse in the second half just because the Orioles have called up a lot of their best players, 
but generally this team has been awesome. And right now, the top prospect to highlight is Joey Ortiz. We know he's had a couple of short stints up in the big leagues with the O's this year, but he could still get one more shot up here. It just seems like the infield is so, so crowded, and Ortiz has been kind of on the tail end of that this year. But Ortiz on the season hitting 343 with a 934 OPS, playing stellar defense. And in the last month for Norfolk, hitting 354, a 908 OPS, he's just been great. Eight homers on the season, not flashing as much pop as he did last year, but everything else offensively, defensively has basically been elite for Joey Ortiz. Now, the question is, why is he not in the big leagues? Well, there's a couple of reasons there. One is Gunnar Henderson's been so good. Jordan Westberg's been so good. And the Orioles, at this point, value the speed off the bench that Jorge Mateo can give them on the big league roster heading into the postseason more than what Joey Ortiz can give them at this point. And there's a couple other things to think about, like you have to DFA or, you know, Mateo, you can't just send him down to AAA. Joey Ortiz could be a part of this Orioles team moving forward. He certainly could, especially if the team were to move on from Mateo in the offseason. He could also be a premium trade piece to go get some pitching this offseason for the O's as well. I think of a lot of these prospects, Ortiz is the guy whose future is up in the air the most just because there's so many infielders. The O's are holding on to Mateo. It's going to be interesting, but he's doing all he can do is just continue to crush it in AAA Norfolk. Top prospect on the pitching side, got to go with D.L. Hall because I really do think he is very close to getting the call up to the big leagues with the Orioles. Since Hall returned from kind of that deloading and weight training stretch in Sarasota. He's gone five and two-thirds innings in AAA Norfolk, allowed just two runs on three hits with 12 strikeouts and two walks in that stretch. Slider looks good, changeup looks good, fastball velocity is back. He's sitting 96 and throwing above with that four-seam fastball from the left side. He's working exclusively as a reliever in AAA Norfolk since he's come back, and I think that's because the O's know they're going to need him in the big league bullpen down the stretch. My prediction was on the podcast last week and this week, is that he would be the pitcher called up on September 1st when rosters expand from 26 to 28 and the O's get to add an extra arm. It could really be before then as well because they got two lefties in the pen right now, CNL Perez and Nick Vespi. You could argue Hall, and you would easily say Hall at his best, is an upgrade over both of those guys as a left-hander in the bullpen. Could be sooner rather than later that we see him up in the big leagues. To the under-the-radar guys in AAA, the hitter I'll shout-out is actually not really a prospect, but is a minor leaguer for the O's who did get a cup of coffee with Baltimore that this year, and that is Josh Lester, who came up with the O's after signing a minor league contract with them this offseason, got his first big league hit with the Orioles in San Francisco, was up for about a week or so, and then was sent down. Struggled a bit in AAA when he went back down, was DFA'd off the roster, but he cleared waivers, he stayed with the Orioles, and... He's been really good lately. In August, hitting 316 with a 929 OPS. Actually pitched the other day and threw a scoreless inning in an Orioles or a Norfolk Tides blowout loss, I should say. He's got 17 homers and an 818 OPS in AAA Norfolk this season. I don't think there's really any chance he gets back to the bigs with Baltimore, but he's good depth to have for the Orioles. He's nice to have in AAA. If anything were to happen to a key player, he could come up to the bigs if you needed him. But just wanted to shout him out because it was cool that the O's gave him a chance, got him that first big league hit. And I'm hoping this offseason, you know, most likely he'll become a minor league free agent again. Maybe he can find a better spot where he can go and actually get some big league chances with a team in 2024. 
And then the under-the-radar pitcher I want to point out, you know, it would have been Chase McDermott, but I did talk about him earlier this week on the pod. Make sure to go back and listen to the mailbag episode earlier this week. Talked about McDermott, how good he's been in AAA, and how I think he could help the Orioles out of the bullpen this season at some point in September. So the guy I want to highlight here is our old friend who came back on a minor league deal about a month ago. TJ McFarlane has not been bad since the Orioles re-signed him to a minor league deal, put him in AAA Norfolk, eight appearances, 11 and a third innings. Yeah, it's only seven strikeouts to six walks, but it's a 2-3-8 ERA in that time for McFarlane, who continues to throw that sinker-changeup combination, but he's added a sweeping slider that he told Rakabako of Masson the Orioles really liked, and that's why they brought him in mid-season on a minor league deal after he was released by Buck Showalter and the Mets. Of course, that's the two teams McFarlane has played for this year. I don't know if we'll see TJ back in the O's or back in the majors with the O's, but it's nice to have the depth, right? And nice to have a guy who's done it before in Baltimore. On to AA Bowie we move. They've been right around a 500 team this year. They've had a lot of turnover, you know, getting players, losing players, getting more players. A lot of guys have gone through AA Bowie this year on their way up to AAA Norfolk and beyond. But for the top prospect, I think it's pretty easy who I'm going to talk about here. It's the number one prospect in baseball, and that is Jackson Holiday, who, since he has gotten to double A, has just continued to be absolutely unreal. And I talked about it earlier this week on the pod, how I am not completely rolling out the chance that Holiday will be called up to the big leagues at some point this September. Not rolling it out. He's been that good. But in August in double A... He's hitting 356 with a 1023 OPS. It's a 975 OPS in 21 AA games overall since he got called up to Bowie. He's still walking. He's hitting for power. He's hitting for average. Had a little week there where he was sick. Had some sort of illness where he missed about a week. But other than that, in Bowie, it's just been dynamite. Even if he doesn't get called up to the big leagues, it's not out of the question that he finishes the year in AAA Norfolk and pretty much puts him in line to get an opening day roster spot in 2024. And I think that's like the floor right now for how good Jackson Holiday is playing this year. It is not out of the question to see him in the bigs this season. Just go to a Bowie game, watch a game on MILB TV. He is a special, special player. And that's why, again, every single outlet that covers prospects has Jackson Holiday number one in their midseason updates. For the pitching top prospect, going to go a little bit of a different way, but got to talk about John Means, right? Means, who just made his second rehab start with double-A Bowie so far in the two, three and a third innings, four runs, four hits, six Ks, two walks. He threw 28 pitches in two innings in the first outing, threw 45 pitches in an inning and a third, had some trouble in the second outing. It's really not about the results at this point. It's about building up the pitch count, so it's good he threw 28 the first time, 45 the second time. Hopefully the Orioles can get him somewhere near 60 in that third rehab start, which will probably come either this Sunday or potentially next Tuesday, probably also in double-A Bowie before they would maybe then move him up to triple-A Norfolk on this rehab stint. Now, the Orioles have said, you know, you get 30 days of the rehab stint. His 30 days would be up, I believe, September 9th. The Orioles have said most likely they're going to use all 30 days of the John Means rehab stint before deciding if he's good to go into the majors or there's always the possibility he goes back on the IL, just misses the rest of the year, and kind of resets fully healthy for 2024. After having the Tommy John surgery early last year, had a little setback with the back issue while he was rehabbing this year, but he is finally back on a mound, and that is huge to say. And yes, you know, the fastball is like at 91 right now. It'll probably tick up a little bit as the rehab continues. Now, the big question is, what do they get out of means when he comes back? Yes, it's possible. He could come back and be an impact starter down the stretch into the postseason for the Orioles. 
I see it more likely being he comes in as a solid bulk relief guy and is kind of on the bubble of making the playoff roster when it gets to that time. That's my prediction for what John Means does when he gets back in September. But so far, so good. Healthy through two of these rehab appearances. And that sounds pretty good to me. I mean, if the O's can get a healthy Means back, no matter what level he's at, it probably makes the team better. And they're targeting early September for that one. To the under-the-radar hitter for AA Bowie, how about Silas Ardoin, the fourth-round pick of the O's in 2022, a catcher out of Texas. Out of all these catching prospects the Orioles have kind of taken flyers on to try and be Adley's future backup, Ardoin right now looks like the guy who could win that role. Hitting 353 with an 848 OPS in 10 games since being called up to AA Bowie. Really good arm behind the dish. Good defensive catcher as well. He seems to be the odds-on favorite to, you know, maybe by 2025 when James McCann is gone be the Orioles' backup catcher. And then the -the under-the-radar pitcher, got to give it to Alex Pham. Just has had a tremendous year since being called up to Bowie has continued to be outstanding. Right-handed pitcher who was a 19th-round pick out of the University of San Francisco in the 2021 draft. What a value find for the Orioles. 2-2-3 ERA in 40 innings this year with just 32 strikeouts to only 10 walks. He's a shorter guy, but really good stuff and really fun to watch pitch. But those are the upper levels of the minors. Next up, we go to the lower levels of the minors. Shout out some guys in Aberdeen and Delmarva who have been showing out so far this season. But first, this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is brought to you by Sleeper. The O's are back in play in Oakland this weekend. And you maybe think Gunnar Henderson will go deep against the A's. I sure do. And on Sleeper, you can swing for the fences with up to 100 times payouts. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and select more or less in their stat categories like homers, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right and you could win big. And Sleeper's great because they've got these dynamic payouts. Each player projection now has a multiplier attached to it as opposed to preset multipliers based on the number of legs in a contest. You can basically get higher payouts than other apps with less picks. So use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details, currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. So we're here to give out some Orioles minor league updates on the show today. You're on a Friday episode. We've highlighted some guys in AA and AAA so far. Let's move down to high A, the Aberdeen Ironbirds. And let's start with the top-hitting prospect there. Samuel Basayo, who a couple weeks ago got called up to Aberdeen, hitting 240 and 693 OPS in 13 games with the Ironbirds so far. Hasn't been absolutely incredible, but Basayo is a guy who in all these latest updates is a top 10 easily and in some places a top five Orioles prospect now. A 2021 international signing, left-handed hitting catcher, can play some first base, has some huge, huge power. He's a guy who I really project at some point down the line to be the other catcher on the Orioles roster with Adley Rutschman, can play first, can DH some more, has a big-time bat, and can still handle himself defensively behind the plate. He is a fun player to watch. Make sure to try to check him out if you can. Top pitching prospect in Aberdeen to talk about is Trace Bright, the right-handed pitcher who the O's took in the fifth round of the draft out of Auburn in 2022. In the month of August, he has 27 strikeouts, In 13 and a third innings. That is more than two Ks per inning in the month of August for the right-hander Bright, who's got a good mid-90s fastball and some devastating breaking balls to go with it. This season in Aberdeen, spent the whole year there, about 80 innings, a 4-5-2 ERA, 
Five walks per nine is a little concerning. But when you pair it with 14 strikeouts per nine innings for Trace Bright this season in high A, that is some wild stuff. I think the O's will give him a cup of coffee in double A at the end of the season to see how he does against the Bowie hitters right at the end, and then he'll start 2024 in double A. He could be a real piece for the O's bullpen or maybe even the rotation moving forward. I really do like Trace Bright, and I think the command will get better and better as he goes along. Now to the under the radar guys. Let's start with a first base prospect. Yeah, sometimes there's no such thing as first base prospects, but let's shout out Jacob Teeter. Now, unfortunately for Jacob Teeter, first baseman, 13th round pick in 2021 out of Division II, he was up in Double A Bowie for a while. Then he was sent back down to Aberdeen. But since he got back down to Aberdeen, he's been really good. Eight games since he got sent back down, 269 average, 887 OPS. Elite, elite defensive first baseman. Got some pop from the left side. Really good batter's eye. Kind of an interesting prospect to keep your eye on. And then the other under-the-radar guy I wanted to shout out, Kyle Verbitsky. Right-handed pitching prospect who was in his first year in the O's system. Remember, when the O's made the trade with the A's this offseason to bring in Cole Irvin, sending Daryl Hernandez over to Oakland, Irvin was the only guy they got. They also got pitching prospect Kyle Verbitsky in the deal. And Verbitsky went to Aberdeen, and it was kind of a slow start. He really struggled early, but he has been great lately. In August for Verbitsky, three starts, 13 innings, 15 Ks, four walks, and a 2.08 ERA in that stretch. Really big guy, throws a whole lot of strikes, commands the zone, like what I'm seeing from him. I think another guy who maybe, just maybe, could see a cup of coffee at double A at the end of the year. Going down to low A Delmarva with the Delmarva Shorebirds. A lot of the 2023 draft picks are starting to trickle their way into Delmarva over the last couple of weeks. And let's start with the top prospect there, Enrique Bradfield Jr., the Orioles' first-round pick in this year's draft, 17th overall, the center fielder out of Vanderbilt. He's been awesome to watch so far. His first six games in Delmarva, 5 for 18, but he walked nine times compared to just five strikeouts. And so far, a perfect 11 for 11 stealing bases. We knew about the elite speed. He's played some great defense out there in the outfield in Delmarva. Bradfield just fun to watch. Most likely, we'll see him in Aberdeen to end the year and see if he can torment pitchers and catchers there. And then he can start to take off as he gets into that Orioles really you know, deep into the hitting development system in Aberdeen as well. And the top pitching prospects to talk about there wanted to mention... Davy Cruz, a left-hander with some really good stuff. Nine innings pitched in August, two runs, 10 Ks, and two walks. And overall, Cruz's season has been great. 80 innings in Delmarva, 3.36 ERA, 87 strikeouts. Now, the 41 walks is a little concerning, but 87 strikeouts, a good number. He's still a young, young 20-year-old left-hander, but he has some good stuff, and he is an interesting guy to watch out there for the Orioles. Going to go to the under-the-radar pitcher in Delmarva because it's kind of a similar guy. In another left-hander with good stuff, that is Luis De Leon. He is a 2021 international signing by the Orioles, another 20-year-old left-hander who was in the FCL this year, was great, got called up to Delmarva, 15 innings, 17 strikeouts, 6 walks, a 1.20 ERA since joining the Shorebirds. The combination of De Leon and Cruz going to be fun to watch, potentially finish out the season in the Delmarva rotation, although I will say definitely a chance Cruz ends the year in Aberdeen as well as he starts to kind of move his way up the system. And then the under-the-radar hitter to get to is, surprisingly, well, not surprising that it is a draft pick from 2023 for the Orioles, 
But is their 20th round pick, their final selection they made in the draft was shortstop Jalen Vasquez. And Vasquez played two games in the FCL before the Orioles promoted him to Delmarva to start his pro career. And he's been awesome. In the six games with the Shorebirds for Vasquez, six for 16, five singles, a double, seven walks to just one strikeout in that time, playing some good defense in the infield as well. Was kind of an interesting prospect who also, you know, came from a Division II school, so not a super well-known school, not a super well-known guy. Vasquez has been impressive. He looks like a serious prospect that the Orioles picked up in the 20th round. But that's kind of a general look at the system. Of course, the Orioles do have their FCL team and their two teams, the Dominican Summer League as well. Got a lot of prospects in this system. It is rated number one. It's fun to continue to watch it. But again... Not as close of an eye on it on this podcast this year, right? You got the first place Orioles we're keeping an eye on, but I thought it was good after the off day Thursday to kind of give you a look in on why this system is still being rated number one. And it's not just Jackson Holiday. There's a lot of talent down there as well. But we got one more thing to get to before finishing off the pod. That is back to the major league level. Orioles, athletics, best and worst team in the American League facing off this weekend. I'll preview the series coming up next. So it is the O's and the A's this weekend at the Coliseum. Yeah, this A's team is real, real bad. Going to preview this series. But remember, you can listen to every single pitch of the Orioles' hometown radio broadcast of the Orioles' A's series. That Some of these games are going to be late at night, another West Coast series. And you can listen to every pitch on the SXM app through SiriusXM. Just download the app and search Orioles. But let's get to this series preview. These two teams have already met once before this season. That was early in the year, April 10th through the 13th, a four-game set in Baltimore in which the Orioles took three out of four from the A's. Kind of had a, a pretty run-of-the-mill win, 5-1 to one in Game 1. Then had the 12-8 to eight win in Game 2 when Ryan Mountcastle went off for a 9-RBI game. I was in the house for that one. Then had kind of a stinker. Orioles lost game three, eight to four, but came back and won it eight to seven in game four of the series on the Adley Rutschman walk-off homer. I was there for that one as well. That clinched the series over the A's for the Orioles. And now you look at this A's team, who just like the O's did have the day off on Thursday after they went and dropped two out of three in St. Louis against a bad Cardinals team. This athletics team, 34 and 87. On the season. Let me say it again 34 and 87. They are 38 games out of first place behind the Rangers in the AL West, and they are 32 and a half games behind Toronto for the final wild card spot in the American League. Yeah, they've got a run differential of negative 282. Right now, they're on pace, essentially, to win 46 games this season. One of the worst teams ever assembled. And that's who the O's get to play this weekend at the Coliseum. Not only that, John Fisher, their just heinous owner, planning to move this team to Las Vegas. Who knows when? Just You just feel for A's fans at this point. There's been some great baseball, some great moments in Oakland. Just a disaster situation. Yeah, John Angelos is awful, and he really is awful. John Fisher is somehow worse. I mean, just a horrendous human being taking baseball away from that city. It's just awful. But, I mean, this could could be the last time the O's ever play 
at the Coliseum, I mean, it's not out of the question. There's definitely a chance they could play there kind of next year as the final season, and then they would go to Vegas. But it's not out of the question. This could be the final time the O's go there. It will be a three-game series starting Friday, a 9.40 p.m. Eastern time start tonight. Kyle Gibson will get the ball for the Orioles, trying to make up for what was a very bad start that he made in Seattle on Friday night. Gibson with a 4.89 ERA in 25 starts this season, gave up nine runs on 12 hits his last time out against the Mariners. It was good, though, that he got hit around early, and he still lasted through five and a third innings to try and save the bullpen. He did start game one of the series in Baltimore against the A's and, and pitched well, six and a third innings, one run allowed against Oakland in that one. Now, the A's, as of recording here on Thursday afternoon, have not yet named their starters for this weekend, but from some guesses from the order they've done, it looks like most likely Luis Medina will go game one tonight on Friday. 24-year-old righty who has a 5.31 ERA in 83 innings this season. He's got some good stuff, good fastball, nine Ks per nine, a lot of walks. Five walks per nine for Medina on the season. Did not pitch in that first series, wasn't even up in the big leagues yet. Saturday game, game two of the series, a little earlier start, 9.07 p.m. Eastern time. And it's Cole Irvin who gets the start against his old team, the team that traded him to Baltimore this offseason. Irvin goes back to the Coliseum for the first time since, has a 4.92 ERA in 53 innings this year for the O's. Coming off a really good start in Seattle Saturday night in his return to the rotation, five scoreless innings, two hits, six Ks, and one walk. Although Irvin, if you remember, he's already faced the A's once. This will be his first time back in the Coliseum. But when he faced the A's earlier this year, it was game four of that series against Oakland. He gave up six runs on five hits in four innings and was demoted to AAA after that game. So it's kind of a full circle spot here for Irvin. Now he's kind of gotten back to what he used to be, and hopefully he can do some good things against the A's, his old team, Saturday night. Looks like he'll go up against the 25-year-old left-hander Ken Waldachuk, who would be scheduled to make this start. Waldachuk has a 6.07 ERA this season in 99 innings. Just like Medina, pretty good stuff. Nine Ks per nine, no command. Five walks per nine for Ken Waldachuk. We'll see what he can do against the O's. He was pretty good in that series in Baltimore in the start he made. Allowed just three runs over six and a third innings. He actually started the one game, the A's won in that four-game set back in April. And then you got the Sunday game, the series finale, 4.07 p.m. Eastern time start. Kyle Bradish takes the hill for the Orioles. Their best starter gets another go of it with a 3-1-8 ERA in 22 starts this season for Baltimore. In Seattle on Sunday, Bradish, six innings, two runs, and seven strikeouts. He was good once again in that one. Kind of what's new for Kyle Bradish, although he did not pitch in that first series against the A's, that's when he was on the injured list after taking that line drive off the foot in his first start of the season. And it would seem like most likely J.P. Sears, the 27-year-old lefty, would get the Sunday start for Oakland. He's been really by far their best starting pitcher this year. 4.27 ERA in about 131 innings on the season. Not a huge strikeout guy, but doesn't walk anybody. Just two walks per nine, has really good command. And he was okay when he started against Baltimore earlier this year. Gave up three runs over five innings of work. And of course, it won't just be Cole Irvin returning. It'll also be Shintaro Fujinami returning to Oakland for the first time since the A's dealt him to the Orioles a couple weeks before the deadline. Of course, doesn't have a whole lot of ties there. This was his first season coming over to Oakland after they signed him out of Japan, but be a cool coming home for him 
as well. Now, obviously, this A's team is terrible. They've got the worst record in baseball. They are the worst team in baseball. But when you look at the numbers, it really shows you. 435 runs scored this season, worst in Major League Baseball. 364 team slugging percentage, worst in Major League Baseball. 5.75 team ERA, worst in Major League Baseball. 5.50 bullpen ERA, worst in Major League Baseball. 4.41 walks per nine by the pitching staff, worst in Major League Baseball. And a negative 65 defensive run save from a fielding perspective, you guessed it, worst in Major League Baseball. Terrible hitting, terrible pitching, terrible fielding leads to a team that is 34 and 87. Now, if you're looking for some bright spots on this A's team, they've had some rookies come up recently who have been good. Of course, Brent Rooker was their all-star. Rooker just absolutely annihilated the Orioles in that four-game set in April. Hopefully, they can keep him at bay. But the guy who's swinging the hot bat right now is Zach Geloff, who the A's promoted last month. And in 59 plate appearances for Geloff, five homers, 370 average, and a 230 WRC plus in the month of August for Zach Geloff. Power hitting, really good hitting infielder. He's got the tools. That's a hitter the O's got to look out for. But otherwise, this team is awful. The O's are coming off a tough series loss to San Diego. They're finishing up this road trip. They're trying to hold on to first place. You just absolutely, if you're the Orioles, need to sweep this series this weekend. And hopefully they do, but whether or not they get the sweep, I'll be back with you on Monday recapping the weekend series between the Orioles and the Athletics. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.